What is going on? Welcome to the show. Happy Tuesday, December 7th, a day that will live, uh, live in infamy. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Pete Callender here. You can also email me, Pete, at thepetecallendershow.com. And I'm also on Twitter, which is very, very active today, particularly the North Carolina politics hashtag NCPOL. What with the canceling of the candidate filings yesterday, right as we got on air at, uh, shortly before noon, and then a few hours later, after the program ended, that was reversed by uh, by more Court of Appeals judges. And so that's where it stands right now. Appeals have been filed. We'll get into some of the details on that. And just, just want to state this right up front. No, I don't believe Democrats when they say they just want fair maps. I don't. I do not believe you. You know why? I'm not an idiot. And I've been paying attention to North Carolina politics for 20 plus years. So I've seen what you guys do when you draw the maps. In fact, I don't even have to have watched for 20 years. I could just have watched the Charlotte City Council. Right? That's all I had to do with that attempt to get 10 of the 11 seats drawn for Democrats. And then you got shamed into preserving not even a, not even a Republican seat. It's, it's a, a chance for a Republican to win the seat, even though what you're hearing now are Democrats lobbying for essentially proportional representation. In other words, we have X amount of uh, registered voters in the state. So therefore, we should have that same proportion. So if we have like 35% of all the registered voters, we should get 35% of all of the seats. That's what they're arguing for. Or they're arguing for a proportion based on the election outcomes, where you take all of the votes that are cast statewide in every legislative race, and then you break out all of the, you divide them out between Democrat and Republican candidates and whoever got the most amount of votes, like that's how they would want the seats allocated. That is not the system we have. Never has been. Right. So I understand for iconoclasts on the left, it's all about the tearing down of institutions. It's it's all about the temporary gain. That's all they that's all they look for rather than win by the rules that are already in place. They seek to turn over the table, flip the table. Right. It's an old. Um, it's not Game of Thrones. I never watched Game of Thrones. What was the one I, with Kevin Spacey? What was the? House of Cards. Yes, House of Cards. It's amazing how quickly I forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, it just blocked the whole thing out. I watched them and, yeah, anyway. Um, Democrats cannot win by the rules that they, by and large, enacted. Like, all of the rules for drawing the maps and all this stuff, people, if you're, all right, first off, if you're new to the state of North Carolina within the last decade, First off, welcome. Secondly, please do not bring your left-wing politics here. We don't need it. Uh, third, Democrats ran this state for over a century and a half, okay? All of the rules on virtually everything were written by Democrats, okay? So like, if you're like, oh, I hate Duke Energy and Duke Energy, they, uh, besides giving me power to, you know, charge up my electric vehicle, um, and heat my home. Uh, besides doing that, like, oh, I hate them. They're an energy company. Fossil fuel, bad. You know, 
you don't like, or nuclear energy, bad. You don't like Duke Energy. And then you're like, well, because I had that, that spill in the Dan River up there in, at the Virginia border. Yeah, you know who was in charge of writing all of the rules for all of the, uh, the policing of, of that plant, among others? It was, it was Democrats. They took millions of dollars, millions of dollars over the years for their legislative races. I joke about like Pat McCrory and Phil Berger and Tom Tillis, because he was the Speaker of the House at the time, and that they, would, they got on their scuba gear and they swam under... Uh, the retention pond, and, and they blew it up in order to pollute the Dan River, right? Because that's because they're Republicans and they hate clean water. It was just on principle. Like This is the absurdity. This state has been run by Democrats for longer than Republicans. Republicans have been in charge for since uh, 2011, so 10 years. And this is how the left has responded. They, they cannot stand to be out of power. That's how much uh, they rely on power in order to you know keep their agenda moving forward, forward progress and all of that, um, that they go to the courts now to enact this stuff because they can't get it legislatively. That's really the rub here. So they're trying to do through the courts that which they cannot do legislatively. Because here's the thing, Democrats, by the way, like I'm about, all right, I probably shouldn't even tell you this. I should, all right, okay, I'm going to tell you. Here's the deal. Do you want to win the majorities back this year? You want to? I have a way you can do it. You want to know? All right, listen. Don't be crazy. That's it. That's the strategy, guys. Just don't be raving lunatics. And you actually have the cards to win. Yeah, you do. Just don't be insane. Don't be far left moon bats. That's all. And you'll appeal to... A vast majority of the population, a lot of them from up north in California, that really, really, really want to vote for a Democrat, but, you know, are kind of worried because they just fled from these people's republics and they're very concerned that they're coming into a state that is going in the same direction. So they're going to be hesitant. Now, if you are able to say to them, like, hey, I'm not crazy like those other leftists. I'm still a Democrat, but I'm a good Democrat. I'm a good kind of Democrat, right? Like, if you could make that case to them, don't be crazy. You will probably win. Yeah, for real. You'll probably win. And they can't do it. And they just can't do it. That's not the Republicans' fault. Right? Republicans are... You know who won the most amount of votes the last election, statewide election in North Carolina? It wasn't Roy Cooper. Street, it was Steve Troxler, the agriculture commissioner. Right? Yeah, he got more votes than any other candidate. He was the votainer. See that? That's the word we're using now. It's not vote getter, people. It's not the top vote getter. No, no. We're getting rid of that term. It's an awkward, ugly, cumbersome term. We're using votainer from now on. We can say top votainers. Top votainer, you could say votainer. Just, I'm open to I'm I'm open uh, to debate on how it's used. I just say all of the above. I just want it adopted as part of the lexicon. This has been a years long campaign of mine. So please join along with the Zipper Merge uh, campaign. Amazon Web Services suffering a major outage, according to the Associated Press. This is the quote-unquote backbone of the internet, Amazon Web Services. So many platforms run with AWS. 
The company provides cloud computing services to individuals, universities, governments, and companies, including the Associated Press. Amazon has yet to confirm, uh, or sorry, has yet to comment on the outage, and few details are available. Well, that's because the internet is down. Um, <laughs> by the way, Rumble, which is the uh, competitor for YouTube, they tweeted out, uh, all our services are functioning as normal. This is the beauty of not relying on AWS and why we'll continue to build a parallel infrastructure to compete with the incumbents, both on cloud and video. Look, I got to tell you, I have been doing YouTube stuff for a couple years now. And uh, yesterday I created a Rumble account. Yeah, look, this, and, and I, I talked about this a couple of days ago, too, with Twitter and their new policy. It, the writing's on the wall for me. It's just a matter of time. I already have a locals account set up. Uh, I, I'm on MeWe. I don't use them, but I've set up the accounts. I put in the placeholders, right? So I, I, I'm over there. And as this stuff becomes more and more uh, disadvantageous, right? As they start blocking more and more people and more and more companies and voices and that sort of thing, yeah, people will move off of these platforms. And yeah, we'll have, see, John Edwards was right to America's. Gosh, only we had listened to him. Okay, so um, remember, Charlotte City Council at a retreat, they are told, hey, you got to pass this, uh, these allocations for uh, the federal money to be pumped into the you know local uh, economy. Uh, this is for COVID relief. It's all the American Rescue Plan Act. It's ARPA money. So they get pushed to do it. They do it. And then a couple days later, Mayor Vi Lyles comes out and is like, I'm all about equity. Look what I secured. I got you all this money. And city council's like, well, wait a minute. Mayor doesn't get to allocate money. We, we don't have a mayor, a strong mayor form of government here. We have a council manager form of government in North Carolina. So you don't have that authority to do that. The council did that. But now you're out there with this big marketing effort as if it's your equity initiative that the council just took this money that was ARPA money and they approved these things for these buckets. And now you're like, thank you very much. I'll take these buckets. Look at this. I mean, all it was was rebranding. Okay. So council raises a stink about it. So they circle back yesterday at their uh, meeting and councilman Tark Bakari said, look, this process, he's glad that they're where they are now. The council's getting a say in this, but, um, the process, he says, has taken way too long. So my hope is that we don't come and have the same conversation again in January and then February. We start getting those colors in that heat map to the ultimate ready for council color and, and we get this money out the door in a transparent way that makes it to the areas, the small businesses, all the different places that it's needed. Um, because to be quite honest, we've, we've not used four months um, as well as we could have to get to this point. Okay, so you heard him mention uh, the, the, the colors, the, the heat map or the color coding. So what city staff did for their meeting, uh, for the council meeting last night, was they gave them the list of all of these different areas, the buckets, right? And then they gave them a red, green, yellow. Um, and, or I guess it would be red, yellow, green. And, like, each color signified something. Like, red was like, we're not ready yet for you guys. Yellow was like... Uh, hey, we're going to give it to you, council, take a look at it. And then green was council approval. And so that's sort of like the, 
ready, set, go kind of a deal with council approval being the go. Okay, so responding to this chart of the funding allocations, Bakari said that council members have to be the ones to dictate where the funding goes. I just I want to make sure that all the, the pain we went through to get to this point is from a procedural perspective is, is understood. I thought when I saw this color-coded page right here that everything was great, but what, back to what Mr. Driggs said, I think, I think I, I mean, I'm fine with that, is we just had the discussions on the greens and the three greens that are there, knowing who's getting the money and where it's going. But again, like, this needs to, this needs to in order for it to turn orange as endorsed, we have to vote on something, and it, it either needs to come back to us in the, in the business agenda before it goes out the door. It can't be we point back to the illegal vote we took at the retreat, and then, oh, okay, you guys are good with these rough head nods. Like, there has to be something formal that turns it from green to orange, or we're back where we started. Yes. Yes. The feds are doling out millions of dollars to local jurisdictions, and yes, our elected representatives at the local level should be the ones making the call on where the money goes. This is not controversial. This is not partisan. Everybody basically has agreed with this for decades. That's kind of how it goes. Um, But you heard Bakari say the illegal vote we took and somebody got triggered. We'll take a listen to who it was. Think about who it might have (laughs) been. We'll take a listen in a minute. First, listen to this. It's Boomer Von Cannon talking traffic. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. We'll talk with the Speaker of the House, North Carolina, Tim Moore, 2 o'clock. Um, and at uh, 1.30, hang on. I shouldn't even have, I should not have started to promote this and I didn't have it uh, open already. It is do, 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 do. Tommy Hicks, the RNC co-chair. It's the national organization. So, uh, that's one thirty. So stick around for that. All right. So last night, the Charlotte City Council revisiting after it revisited the initial visit of the ARPA funding that then got branded as the mayor's equity initiative. And look, I get it. You're running for reelection as the mayor. Mayors are very weak in North Carolina. Uh, the mayor doesn't really have any power. And so how do you, you know, how do you make a name for yourself? How do you stand out from the pack? And also, you got to pay off the, you know, last year's George Floyd uh, promises, right? In the wake of the protests and all of that, you got to pay that off. So, equity initiative. Now, the problem is, is that she kind of cut the city council out of that branding effort. And this seemed coordinated at the October retreat in Winston-Salem. And Tark Bakari, city councilman that they tried to draw out of his district, um, they, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Democrats don't do that. I kid, I kid. So the uh, council gets this update because Bakari and several other council members, more behind the scenes, but Bakari was sort of the, the face of this, raised such a stink about the way the process was done, and they felt like they got tricked or, or stiff-armed into making this vote or pressured into making the vote. And Bakari last night called it an illegal vote. This prompted the just-announced-not-running-again Vice Mayor Julie Eisel to counter that assertion that it was an illegal vote. Get a clarification on that. I, I don't know that everybody agrees with you that it was an illegal vote. 
exactly. and I think that's the key, is we voted on it at the retreat. Our city attorney <laughs> needs to clarify that, but I reject the idea that I was participated in an illegal, illegal vote, and I don't know that others feel that way. That is the, uh, by the way, that is the Costanza standard, uh, standard? the Costanza standard, which, you know, was formed on the uh, documentary Seinfeld. Um, it's not a lie if you believe it. See, much that, that's the standard. See, if you believe it, see, like, I don't believe I did an illegal vote. So if you believe you didn't do something illegal, then you didn't. The Costanza standard. In which case, the manager had told us, and we will hold him to it, that he's got to tell us what's getting dispersed. And as we've said now, that $4 million that's ready to go needs to go out the door. So, Patrick, Mr. Baker, would you comment on that? Sure. So this is the city attorney, Patrick Baker. Um, when I use the word illegal, what I am uh, using that for is to say that you have violated a statute. Uh, you did not violate a statute when you made that vote uh, in, in uh, Winston-Salem on this particular issue. Okay. The issue that I raised at the last uh, time we discussed this is procedurally, and these are your council rules of procedures. They're not ordinance, they're not statutes. These are your council rules of procedure. Talks about the idea of bringing agenda items, and agenda items need to be on the agenda or they can be added to the agenda. And when I think of an agenda item, I'm thinking of a request for council to make a decision. All right, so there you go. That's the standard. So it wasn't illegal in the attorney's mind because it didn't violate a state statute. It did violate their rules for how you go about voting for things. There's a request for council action. It gets put onto the agenda. If it's not on the agenda, then you don't get to do it. But they did, despite the fact that there was not unanimous consent to do so, because them's the rules. But they didn't follow those rules. They just kind of made it up. Kind of almost like they got forced into making a decision... Yeah, exactly, in advance of a big branding effort that they were not privy to, right? Almost as if. On a particular uh, matter. So that was the issue that was there was, and no one raised an objection at the time. In fact, there were two motions uh, that were made on that particular uh, day. This was one motion, then there was another motion later in the early afternoon uh, relating to communications for for the uh, intergovernmental uh, committee to work on some of the transit uh, issues with the uh, the state government. And, and I butchered that that entire motion there, but there were there were those two issues. Mm-hmm. Neither of them um, did a, any council member object to voting on it. Uh, you just voted on on it going forward. Um, so I didn't I didn't raise anything about it. But it's not an illegal vote in the sense that you you violated a statute. Uh, but I would say that both of those issues were not consistent with your procedures. And these are that's an internal document for you to right. govern yourself on, as opposed to a statute. I, I hope that that. Uh, the discrepancy is is clear there. All right, so there you go. So she, so Julie Iselt, vice mayor, I didn't participate in a vote. I don't think I participated in a vote, so I didn't participate in an illegal vote. Now, the vote was not consistent with our rules, so actually, had it been illegal, you would not have known, right? She would not have known. She didn't know it was against our rules. The, the vote should not have occurred. That's the bottom line. The vote should not have occurred. Is Bakari correct in calling it illegal? No. But it was a violation of your own rules. And maybe that's his fault for not knowing that 
the rules that govern the way the city council conducts its business. You've got internal rules, and then you have certain rules that are covered by state statute. And so he confused the two or conflated the two as if they were all covered by state statute when they're not. Yeah, so obviously he's a monster. Okay. So, but, but the fact that we all agreed to vote on it isn't, does that make that inconsistent with our policy? I, it, it doesn't, particularly when no one brought it up, but had someone said, you know, I didn't know that we were going to vote on this, should this even be on the agenda, which council has done that before, uh, and you asked me my opinion, and keep in mind, my opinion is my opinion. It's not an edict. It's not this is how it's going to be. Um, but my opinion would have been that um, it's not consistent with your Procedures. Your procedures say that agenda items need to be on the agenda. Those are going to be the items that you're going to vote on. Unless the full council agrees that we'll vote unanimous on. Unanimous consent. Right. That requires unanimous consent, and that right. question wasn't brought up. Right. And no one uh, so, so this is the problem. Let me stop there. This is the problem. This is all backfilling. That's what ISILT is doing, and that's what the city attorney is kind of doing as well. This is backfilling, Right. The council did not know at the time that the mayor had this equity initiative that she was going to unveil using the buckets of the money that the council was being told it had to move on right now or we lose it. Got to do it now, 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 now. Have to move, have to move. We're so late. Busy, busy, busy. And they approve it. And because nobody raised an objection at that time, ISILT is now saying, well, that's kind of like unanimous consent. Like, no, it's not kind of like unanimous consent, particularly when the only reason they found out the reason for the compressed timeline was because the mayor wanted to rebrand it as her own spending initiative. That's the problem. So this is backfilling. This is mayor got what she wanted. And now it's like, okay, let's try to explain why this isn't really that bad and why the branding effort was really worth it. And it's helpful when you have a 10 to 2 uh, sorry, a nine to two Democrat majority that's going to fall on the sword for the mayor here, right? This is the benefit of having that kind of uh, majority. Eight. Meeting said anything one Phyllis. way or the other. Okay, thank you. I think that this has been. This is the mayor out, trying to smooth about, it over. And I think that the use of the words and the advice of the attorney, I'm going to just conclude that um, the action that we have on tonight's agenda unless in conflict with what we've done in the prior vote at the strategy session, as well as the prior authorization that we gave to the city manager, that we um, go ahead and proceed. All right. This is one of the other things that drives me nuts. I'm going to uh, get back to this after the news, which is Mayor Lyles has a very bad habit of restating everything that council members say. She doesn't need to restate everything, but she feels the need to. I don't know why. Just let them make their statement and then move on. But she always has to, like, restate what they say. And in the process, twist it, reframe it, recast it. You'll hear a couple examples of this up next. 